Hello and welcome to episode 37 of the 1 160 of the second photography podcast. In this episode I'm going to be talking about time lapses. So what are time lapses and what are they used for? Well basically time lapse is a sped up video and it's composed of taking many many photos. Now why would you use a time lapse? Well Time lapses are really good at showing things that move slowly because we don't want to sit around and wait for three days to watch a plant finally bloom. When we can watch it in maybe 20 seconds, we can slowly watch the plant bloom in great detail. And time lapses can be quite wonderful. They can be quite awe-inspiring and they can really make you stop and say, wow. So you often see ones of maybe cityscapes and beautiful landscapes going from daylight to sunset to nighttime. And then you see the stars and you might might see that in, in a manner of minutes as opposed to hours and days for those sort of things to happen. So they allow us to see things that we wouldn't normally get to see within a short period of time. So where would you use a time lapse? Well, time lapses are really appropriate where you, we need to show movement or change, but change that happens incredibly slowly. So how do you do a time lapse? You can, thankfully, you can do a time lapse quite easily with a very simple camera. There are two types of cameras, and I have both these types of cameras when it comes to time lapse. One series of cameras are cameras that you can set to take a certain number of pictures and at the end those pictures are put into a video file by the camera and your time lapse is exported as an mp4 video file. The other type of camera is a camera that just takes pictures but doesn't convert it into a video file. So I have cameras that can take time lapses and convert them into video files and in those cameras I can specify the number of images I want, how frequently they are taken set the interval between picture taking and I have cameras that don't do that. Today I'm going to talk about using just a bog standard camera that doesn't have built-in time-lapse facilities. More modern cameras will have built-in time-lapse facilities but I'm going to talk you through the basics and talk about a camera that doesn't have that. So what do you need to start doing a time-lapse? Well you're going to need some patience, you're going to need a lot of time but really you just need a camera and you need a tripod. So when we're doing time lapses, we need to keep the camera steady. So the best thing for that is a tripod. You need to keep the camera locked into one place for all your exposures. The next thing you need to do is you need to work out how you're gonna trigger the camera. So you could press it every now and again, and that will give you a basic time lapse. So if you press it every second, you can keep going for a while that might get a bit tedious so you might want something that triggers it and you can get devices called intervalometers and what they do is they just trigger your camera after every interval so what you do you plug them into where your camera's dslr remote goes and a dslr remote is just a, a switch sometimes called a cable switch that plugs into the side of your camera and allows you to press a button not on the camera and that takes the picture. And the reason you don't have it on the camera, the very process of taking a picture and pressing down on the camera can introduce shake. And so if you take that off the camera and you just have something you hold in your hand, you reduce the shake. Intervalometer just plugs into your camera. You set the parameters. You set how many pictures it's going to take, how often it's going to take them, and then it triggers that camera. You can get other things that do that. You can get apps for more modern cameras that will trigger your camera over Wi-Fi. You can get something called a trigger trap. A trigger trap enables your smartphone to be the intervalometer and it's just the interface between your camera and your phone 
and you get them in different brands. You can just sit down and you can press your camera numerous times or you can get something to trigger it. So we need to talk about settings for the camera. You can put your camera in manual mode and do things. You can put it in automatic mode and do your time lapse. There is a downside with both of those. You want a fairly consistent exposure between your frames otherwise it's going to be going dark, light and dark, light and dark and that's why you don't really want to be using auto mode. You also want to shy away from using auto white balance because you don't want a change in white balance. Whatever white balance you set your camera to is fine as, as, as long as it's consistent because you can change it later but do make sure it's consistent. In terms of camera settings it's really up to you. One thing I would do is I would focus on the point you want with your autofocus and then I would switch your camera to manual focusing. That way every time you take a shot your camera's focus isn't going to change. You don't want focus changing. You can have very high aperture values and very narrow aperture values in a time lapse because you're putting it on a tripod so you don't need to worry about a slow shutter speed. It's on a tripod. One thing to consider is the exposure changing. If you're doing your time lapse during the day and the exposure is going to be the same, you don't need to worry about it. But if you're doing your time lapse in day and then it's going to start to go to sunset and then it's going to not going to go to nighttime, as would happen in doing a cityscape. So you've got city in the day, the clouds going over, then it goes down to sunset, and then you've got nighttime with all the, the lights of the city and the glow of the city. Actually, your exposure is going to change. And if you've locked it in in manual mode, what's going to happen is when it gets to nighttime, it's just going to be a black image. So what I would suggest, if you know your exposure is going to change, I would suggest using something like aperture priority mode, setting your aperture at the start, setting your focus, and then the camera will just lengthen the shutter speed accordingly to get the right exposure. Be aware, exposure can change when the clouds come in. If you're outside doing a landscape time lapse and clouds go overhead, it will change the exposure of the scene. It's not going to make a huge difference, but that's something to be aware of. So we've talked about the basics you need in terms of equipment, how you can trigger your camera. Now we need to work out how many times you do need to trigger your camera for. So we need to think firstly about the output of the time lapse. So a time lapse is going to be output to a video file. Now video files have different frame rates and a frame rate is how many frames we have per second. The most likely frame rates are going to be 24, 25, 30, 50 and 60. Let's pick 30 frames per second. That means 30 images are going to make up one second. If you have 200 images and you output your time lapse at 30 frames per second, you're going to get 6.67 seconds worth of footage. Once you've decided on your frame rate, you need to decide how long you want your time lapse to last. So you need to work out how many images you need to take. Next thing you need to consider is how long you want to be doing your time lapse. If you want to be doing it from daylight to sunset to nighttime, that might be a good couple of hours at minimum. If you're doing a flower blooming, that might be two or three days. If you're doing a building being built, that's going to be weeks. So you need to work out how long you're going to be doing your time lapse for so you can work out how often you need to take an image. Let's say you're doing a time lapse over 10 hours. That would be 600 minutes. If you took one image every 20 minutes, that would be three times 600, that would be 1800 images. Now remember, we, we are going to output at 30 frames per second, so 30 images makes up one second. So 1800 divided by 30 is going to be 60. So it's going to last for 60 seconds. So you might be quite happy with that. So you need to work out your spacing. If you do an image every 10, obviously you're going to get twice as much and it's going to last two minutes. So you need to be thinking about your frame rate, your 
image output and how long you're going to be doing it in the day. So you can set up a time lapse, but what you're going to do in the meantime? Well, there isn't much to do in the meantime. If you set your time lapse up um, outside or in a city, you might be doing a time lapse of people moving about a city, obviously staying in one place and people moving about past you, crowds moving about. That's really quite interesting. You've obviously got to stay with your camera. If you're doing a cityscape from up high, you might be in a hotel room or a building, you can set your camera up and you can leave it. One thing to consider with time lapses is the battery. If you're doing a very long time lapse, you need obviously to make sure your camera can last that long in terms of batteries. If you're doing an image every minute, you'd certainly have time to swap the battery out. If you're doing an image every couple of seconds, then, then you wouldn't. But you can always get an adapter which plugs into your camera and plugs into the wall and allows it to run off AC power. So now we've got all these images, well, what do we do with them? And actually, what type of images do we shoot? Do we shoot raw images or JPEGs? I would personally advise shooting JPEGs. The reason being, we're going to get 1,800 images. Are we really going to process all those raw images? No, we're not. So make sure you're on a consistent white balance. Make sure you've accounted for exposure changes in your time lapse and then output to JPEG. Now I would recommend medium to large JPEG and we'll talk about why in a moment. So once you've got your JPEGs, you need a program to convert them into a time-lapse video. I'm sure there are many, many of those. I've used my non-linear video editor. So I've used Sony Vegas to do time-lapses and I had a little plugin that enabled me to just pick all the files in one go and it automatically inserted them and set them to the right length. So if I'm doing 30 in a second, it's quite fiddly to change that many images to the right length to fit into a second. So I had a plugin to do that. And I've also used QuickTime Pro. And again, with QuickTime Pro, you just pick all the images you want in your time lapse, pick your frame rate and press a button and it does it all for you. And it renders it as a video file. There are many, many software pieces, but obviously talking the podcast, I've, I've talked about my experiences of using QuickTime Pro and Sony Vegas. I want to be able to give my listeners something that they can do. So I've looked at free software. Virtual Dub on the PC is free and that does time lapses. I've given Virtual Dub a go at video editing and I hated it. I, I must confess I've not used it for time lapses, but by all accounts it's quite good for time lapses. And Interval on the Mac is apparently quite good for time lapses. And, and those are both free bits of software that you can pick. You've now got all those images, you've now brought them into an editor, you've now made your time lapse and you've outputted it. And what you can do in a video editor is really good. Remember I talked about having medium to large JPEGs. Well, if you output video at 1080p, that's approximately the resolution of a two megapixel image. If we're shooting our images at 12 megapixels, 18 megapixels, 30 megapixels, we're using much more resolution than we can actually show in a 1080 video output because what it means is you can zoom in quite far and you won't lose any detail so you can do lots of zooming in you can do panning around the frame so if in your time lapse there's something really interesting going on you can zoom into it using your video editor so all you do is you import the video file and then you just do some crops at various places so that was great doing that in Sony Vegas. I could do that really easily. It looked like I was moving in my time lapse or I was zooming in and zooming out. And that gave really good effects in my time lapses. But you can also do that not in software. So in time lapses, you can get very good bits of kit 
that are motorized sliders and they gradually very very slowly move your camera along so that you can get some motion into your time lapse that wouldn't really work so well in editing and they're quite good because they can also turn and pan the camera as well but they're very expensive and they're made by companies like syrup and kessler crane and and they're you know they are expensive but they do give them a very nice look in your time lapse so an example might be you're watching a time lapse in a desert and there's a tree in the front and slowly the camera sort of moves past the tree and it tilts up and it tilts up at the sky as it starts to turn to night time that would look really good but you do need a very professional bit of kit to do that there's a few other things to just consider when doing a time lapse you might be shooting through glass you might put your camera on a tripod up in a hotel room or looking out your garden or something that's a really good idea it means you can set your camera up and you can leave it and you can go away and come back i've talked about batteries and, and what to do there but you will get reflections in the glass and you'll get reflections from inside. So if someone turns a light on or opens a door, it will let more light in. You'll get reflections that will appear in your image and sort of ruin it, which you don't want. Or you might get flickering. If someone comes in, quickly opens the door, quickly turns the light on, you'll get flickering. You don't want that. The best way to avoid that is to put your camera parallel to the glass, so not at an angle, looking straight through the glass and then getting the lens as close as you can to the glass, putting something over your camera so that it blocks light out from causing those reflections. So of course you can get specialist pieces of kit, but you could just get a box and sort of put the lens through the box and somehow stick the box to the wall and that would work particularly well. That would block out any reflections. So as long as you sort of darken the area, prevent light getting in, you're going to block out reflections. You could do the same with a, a black piece of cloth. That would work in exactly the same fashion. And the final thing to mention in time lapses is something called a hyperlapse. Now a hyperlapse is much more difficult to achieve than a time lapse. It has many more demands than a time lapse. A time lapse, you put your tripod down, put your camera on, you make some calculations, you either keep pressing a button, which is going to be a bit boring, or you set your intervalometer and you wait, or you go away and you come back. A hyperlapse, which we're seeing more of at the moment, is where it's a time lapse, but a traveling time lapse. So imagine you get out your car at the airport and it time lapses all the way to when you get on the plane that's quite difficult to do because it's not a static time lapse you've got an element of moving in it and the camera is moving as well and it's called a hyperlapse now there are cameras that would do this really well and particularly the new gopro 7 has a fantastic hyperlapse mode i'm going to talk about doing this with a standard camera so how would you do it first of all a tripod would be out of the question you can move a tripod but it's going to be difficult and it's going to cause a problem for other people particularly in somewhere like an airport due to its size and the amount of floor space it takes up so you need something like a monopod and the reason you need a monopod is you need to keep the camera at the same height each time and you need to keep the camera at the same orientation if you're watching a because don't forget a hyperlapse or a time lapse is hugely sped up so any inconsistencies between frames are, are going to look even worse because it's been sped up so you're going to be looking wobbles are going to look really bad so you need to keep the camera same height same orientation so a monopod will do that so what you would do let's say you're going to take an image every 10 seconds you need to walk between images so you put your monopod down takes a picture after you hear it you walk on now what you're also going to have to do in doing a hyperlapse is make sure that you get 
the same pacing between each image. So you're looking for not only keeping the camera level, but you don't want it to, to sort of get faster in places or slower in places without any reason for that. It might be you're passing, let's use the analogy of the airport, you're passing through passport control or security. The hyperlapse is going to slow down then. You're going to spend more time there, but there is a reason for it. You need to make sure that you do the same pacing. If you've moved on a meter but from your last shot, you now need to keep moving on a meter. You need to make sure you always move on the same distance. So hyperlapse are much more difficult and much more time consuming. And of course, if you mess up a time lapse, I don't know, someone walks in front of your camera and stays there for a moment, you've got a bit of a problem. You could take those images out when you get home and do your editing. Sometime that software will need the images to have consecutive image numbers or file names. So you might need to just rename some of your images if you're taking some out. Or you could just put it together in your video file and then cut, cut that section out in your video editor. So time lapses are immensely fun, they're immensely rewarding, and it's another thing you can do with your camera. In fact, if your camera just shoots stills, it is a way to get video out of your camera, and I thoroughly recommend doing time lapses. If you're feeling particularly adventurous, have a go at doing a hyperlapse. And of course, let me know how you get on, because I, I would love to hear some feedback on this. Do check out my links in the show descriptions of where you can find me on Twitter and on Patreon, and have a good day. Thank you. Goodbye.